1: Hello. This is the Executive Girlfriends Group Next Gen. I am Cecilia Dahl, and my special guest is Dr. Jan Yeager. She is the author of Productive Relationships and uh, I think over twenty other uh, nonfiction and fiction uh, books for professional development and uh, and other purposes. Wow, you're quite prolific in the writing uh, category. <laughs> Thank and you. Welcome.
0: I'm I'm a, I'm actually up to my. I just released my thirty-first book.
1: Oh my gosh! Well, but but who's counting? <laughs> 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 That's wonderful. Well, today um, I I uh, we're here to talk about. Uh, an amazing book especially for this group the next-gen leaders group we're talking about business topics and this book that you have here called productive relationships which will be available through uh, the uh, next-gen website on uh, through the amazon bookshelf uh, for anyone who wants to read it and i highly recommend it uh, is how to form and, and maintain productive relationships uh, in the workplace
0: and, and i and i also want to jump in and say that uh there is an ebook uh through Kindle that's available uh lower cost oh, Kindle if people like to read electronically.
1: Yep, uh, we do actually know for a fact that a lot of our um members do use Kindles. And so we have the um Amazon Bookshelf uh store on the next gen site and we feature all of the books from the uh from the authors, so we'll we'll make sure that goes right through that's a Kindle they can get that on Kindle through there too, I'm sure. Sure. Um, so that's great. Okay, fantastic. So, uh so forming uh strong relationships and some uh topics within that. So I will I will hand it over to you. Why don't you tell us how this book came about and then start, you know, maybe giving some some advice about some of the the key points in the in the book.
0: Oh, wow. Uh well, this is actually my second book on work relationships or or even my third. My very first one was back in 1990 Business Protocol. And that looked at uh, the protocol issue and how that really is is important in in how you behave. But in 2004, I published a book called "Who's That Sitting at My Desk: Workship, Friendship, or Foe," and that looked at uh, a fourth kind of relationship. In my research into friendship, I dealt with uh, close, best, and casual friends, and I realized interviewing people in the workplace, that there was this this amazing relationship called the Workship. I created the title, the name Workship. Mm. It's not a friendship and it's not an acquaintance. And in two thousand four that was a that was a that that work got and that book is still available and it got a lot of a lot of attention but what I found a publisher approached me to actually do a book on work relationships a couple of years ago and i I jumped at the opportunity to do more recent research on work relationships because the economic situation had so changed the advice i could give people <clears throat> what i mean by that is um just a, just 5 years ago you'd tell someone who who had a bully for a boss uh well you know you can do x y and z and if things don't improve get a new job well today uh and and probably at least for another few years going forward if you have a job you are so lucky in most cases that people have to figure out how can i put up with this situation how to how can i make it work for myself without being a doormat and without having a stress kind of heart ailment or nervous breakdown mm-hmm. so so that was the outgrowth of the book and i i i just i always know that i'm onto something when the act of researching and writing a book transforms me and i felt myself very empowered um uh through what i learned
1: mm. in productive so
0: relationships
1: it's so true i mean these days you're uh when when you're in a job especially if you have a if you have a good job as you mentioned you're so lucky and yet um it almost seems like the stress of it all sometimes uh creates a a an environment for bullies or, or uncomfortable situations and conflict and things like that. Um, and th- it's interesting when you say in your intro, you, your, the introduction to your book is very interesting because it's a story about somebody who had a great work situation, had a new manager, and all of a sudden it was horrible and he used to be great and then he was horrible. Um, and, and one of the first topics I know that um, we wanted to dive into here was dealing with workplace bullies when you can't just go.
0: Well, <clears throat> the first thing you have to do is really own the idea that bullying by a coworker, a boss, even a client, a an employee, a service provider is unacceptable behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh and that's a very important concept to own and to believe because It's too easy to say, oh, bullies get ahead and that's why this person is the boss because, you know, I I just have to put up with it. So that's the first thing. The second thing is you've got to let the bully know that you are going to stand up to him or her. Uh, You are not going to take it. Now, this doesn't mean that you have to... uh, turn around and be a bully back. Unfortunately, that's what people often think that the only way to deal with these situations is to be just like that other person. But sometimes the bully doesn't even know that he or she is a bully. Uh and 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 especially if you say it in a way that's not uh defensive or you don't break down, especially women, you have to be very careful not to let the bully see that you're breaking down by crying or being overwrought so you empower yourself and you say you know are you aware that you're doing x y and z and that that might be perceived as being a bully and mm-hmm. and 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 they might actually be surprised now some companies have a mechanism in place where you can go to human resources uh I do coaching and one of my coaching clients she went to human resources but human resources reported to the the bully boss that she was uh asking their help you know asking for their help with so it 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 rather than helping her situation it backfired uh and and she just this this client just got so many people upset about her that the fact that she was reacting to bullying became lost in the shuffle so uh she she took my advice to dust off her resume and start proactively looking for a new positive situation. Mm. Um, it's
1: so but, easy i think in many cases too to be labeled oh that person's a complainer you know i i just think i i've heard people say there's a there's a fear of giving of of, of standing up for yourself in cases because you don't want to be labeled somebody who causes problems or complains right. about the boss or something right. like that
0: so well a very what, fine what?
1: line to walk
0: well, I was going to say, one of the reasons it's complicated is, and and this is something that makes my, people say to me, how could you research and write so many books on relationships? Don't you get tired of that subject? No, it's fascinating because people change. People are so different. Times change. And over the years that I've been doing this research and working with people, I noticed that uh, there's such a difference between people so that one person is so strong that they'll take behavior that someone else just falls to pieces about so unfortunately it's not as simplistic as this person is a bully and the other part of it that makes it so complicated is that especially you know in the animal kingdom you they when an animal smells fear, that's the one they go after. Yeah. So in the business world, which is a, a, another form of an animal kingdom, if the bully senses someone's weakness and that that person is going to dissolve, they're more likely to bully that person. And someone else who's strong and confident and sends out the message, I will not allow this, they're not bullied. So if the person being bullied happens to complain to the person who's not being bullied, it's like, what are you talking about? So-and-so is nice to me.
1: Right. (laughs) The the hidden bullying that no one sees.
0: (laughs) Now, in, in productive relationships, I talk about the vampire boss. And the vampire boss is somewhat different from the bully because the vampire boss uh just, you know, like the vampire sucks the life out of you. And this is the boss who could be the workaholic or the boss who can never be pleased. Uh and and that can be a different kind of uh destructive environment to find yourself in. Mm-hmm. Uh And I hate to make it sound so negative uh, because work should be positive. People should be kind to each other. People should be wonderful. And I can't give you an exact percentage, but most of the time uh, we do find ourselves in, in the more positive situations. But unfortunately the others uh the other the other situations do occur and and this is the fascinating part of this and i go into body language i go into uh communications by phone uh someone just today was sharing with me how um someone asked her a very very important powerful woman who is a wonderful person she asks this person to call her secretary and set up a meeting. So she calls the secretary and the secretary or I guess administrative assistant if secretary isn't a politically correct term anymore and mm-hmm. she says to this woman who's calling her, who the boss has asked her to call, I hope we're not gonna get into a telephone tag situation. Mm-hmm. Now this this is such a negative attitude, and and the reason why I'm bringing it up, and it doesn't matter if it's a female or a male secretary or administrative assistant, or the CEO or a consultant. We convey in our voices and in our in our emails. You can bully someone unwittingly from your tone of voice or from the nuance in your email. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, well, you know what's interesting? As you hinted on something before about some people feel bullied and other people don't, and, and the interesting thing is that is it possible? This is a, I'm posing this as a question that how that that we find ourselves dealing with negative personality types, and we're we're on the perceiving end of that negative personality type. This person may be oblivious that they're behaving that way. Can our can the way we respond to them turn that negative? Relationships into a positive, not necessarily that they, you know, maybe the vampire isn't really a vampire, but you perceive them to be that way. I'm just, just as a question, like how how can we handle it?
0: Oh, yes. Oh, Cecilia, that is such a great question. And this is what I discuss in productive relationships and I give people the tools to do it. Uh, Dale Carnegie said it best the the number one criterion for how do you win friends and influence people is listening to others and the reason why that's pivotal is it fits in with what you just said if you show an interest in others if you gather information when that person is treating you in a way that you think they're unaware of if you have a piece of information from what they've shared with you, sometimes you can cut right through it. For instance, let's say someone shared that um, her mother could never be pleased. Okay. So, unfortunately people often make people see in others the behavior that isn't even there because they need to repeat this this tragic pattern from their lives. So if you have listened to this person, you've actually heard what she or he said and then they start mistreating you that way, you can say to them, you know, I'm not your mother. I know your mother mistreated you, but I'm not mistreating you. Are you aware that you're treating me as if I'm your mother? And a lot of times the bell will go off in a good way. Now, you have to be careful because you don't want to provoke some kind of deep-seated, overwhelming response. So you have to use the information you gather about people carefully so that you don't get this person to, you know, go into a, a wild tirade. Oh, you're not my mother. How dare you bring up my mother or something like that? But it, it could be something even more simplistic. It could be someone talking about, you know, their last boss who did X, Y, or Z to them. And then when they start acting as if you're doing the same thing, if you're the boss or if you're a coworker uh you know my the last person I worked with um you know kept trying to set me up so things wouldn't work out and you know you could say something similar you know you if if there if there's conflicts going on i'm not I'm not your former coworker give me a chance take this situation at face value you know how can we work together more effectively so the 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 essence of productive relationships is that you're you're in the moment you're trying to sort out all the other unrelated issues that are clouding it and making it uh less effective and less productive than it could be
1: mhm it's true i mean you you like to think that everybody can come to work and and leave their personality quirks aside and just get down to business. But people are people, I think. And, you know, these personality conflicts that happen socially are going to happen in the workplace, and yet we have to find a way to work around that. Um, And sometimes two people just don't mix, but yet they have to work together. And that's an, you know, it's an interesting thing to try to more, what you just said it's very interesting what you just said try to understand where the person's coming from and assume that their intentions are are good but that they have some it might not be about you <laughs> you know it's it's about them and not you maybe right
0: exactly and sometimes you have to take it out of the office uh you have to say hey you know let's let's have a cup of coffee or let's let's have lunch or uh, I counseled one person who was having a really tough time uh, getting a positive relationship going with her boss. And I said, well, what what does he enjoy doing? And uh, it turned out he he loved opera. So, well, why not get four tickets to the opera and have two extra tickets and you and your husband ask your boss and his wife if they'd like to join you and make it sound very low-key, so if he doesn't feel comfortable accepting the tickets or they're busy, they're not feel, feeling pressured. And it it truly turned around the relationship for the next X number of years that she worked uh, for him. It was a completely different um, connection.
1: That's great. Well, that's a great story. So... Um so one of the um, one of the things that we were um, sort of messaging back and forth earlier is um, and this is a really interesting one, and it's also kind of a very timely issue because uh, social media has become such a major part of how we as as humans communicate and stay in touch and share with each other uh, and and you have some advice on how to use social media effectively so that it helps instead of hinders um your career and your and your relationships.
0: Right. Well, I personally, I know this is old-fashioned, but I, I really try uh, to keep Facebook to my friends and family. And if someone work-related, um, and this is not the same thing as a fan page, but I'm talking about your basic Facebook posts and communications, if someone who I don't feel a connection with or I I, I feel that it's it's truly 99% business, um i'll say to them in a very polite way through email or even verbally um, could you please link to me through linkedin uh because linkedin is much more business and and that and that can help out um the other part of social media is to remember that you do have this range of relationships that you're Posts are being read by uh, and it can get very sticky because if you've allowed yourself to link to or even foster linking or being connected on facebook or or even with Twitter to various people in your business life you've gotta you've gotta be smart enough to keep your story straight. What I mean by that is. If you're working on several projects or you have a multiplicity of clients, uh, you have to remember that everyone is reading whatever you write. So you can't be bad-mouthing anyone. You can't be talking about if, if someone's waiting for you to produce something on deadline, you can't be talking about some other project when you've just told them, that I'm working on your project night and day, and you're going to get it as soon as I can get it so it's a mixed it's a mixed blessing uh but you you can certainly make it work for you, but I think the key is not to be automatic and clueless about how powerful this medium is
1: right right paying attention. To the things it is it, you know it is very interesting because i notice uh on facebook and other places as well that you see you know you see some people and they just post a lot of positive things and it's so nice and then yet you see other people and all of a sudden you know parts will come out i i find it a very it's a very interesting thing what's happening with facebook and how it's being managed and the, the groups and all of that it's 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 a very difficult one to navigate, and, and I think as a next gen um, executive, you know, for our group you know, and anybody coming up through the business world, to know that this stuff is there forever.
0: Of course, and it's there forever. Someone uh, I met a wonderful woman at a conference in Amsterdam uh, almost a year ago, and. She and I sat next to each other at the dinner, and she uh, snapped a picture of us. And and as often happens, you know, my mouth is wide open uh, because, of course, it's the worst possible moment to have the picture snapped. And it was put on Facebook.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: <laughs> now, you know, it's not the end of the world, uh, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't be my my first choice of a of a picture of me um so so you have to think about that and and often when people say do you mind if i post this and if you say no then you look as if you're vain and you're not a team player so you you have to put yourself in the other person's shoes and also uh think about the fact that these 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 images, I mean, that was, you know, just, just me smiling in a way that wasn't flattering, but, uh, certainly people have to be aware that, um, I have spoken to human resource managers who have told me that they will look at people's, uh, public profiles in Facebook and in LinkedIn before oh, sure. they decide if they want to interview someone for a job. Uh, I know people realize that they will look at it once the interview process has started, but these are human resource managers, uh, personnel directors who were very blunt that they're using it to decide if they even want to meet with someone. Mhm.
1: Mhm. Well, googling googling a per- person today can get you so much information, and I don't think anybody gets hired without being googled.
0: Well, but googling someone—you know—one one one of the things I want to accomplish in our talking today is what can you control? Mm -hmm. Uh, Googling someone—you know—there's only so much you can control about you know things that have been written about you, or or uh, you know uh, various things that um, are outside of your control, but what you put into your linkedin profile what you tweet about uh what you have put the posts you do at facebook at least these things or the photos you have at facebook these are things that you can control so mm-hmm. so at least take care of that aspect of it
1: mm-hmm. or 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 you can control by restricting people from being able to post pictures of you without your permission I guess is the thing right because you can set permissions
0: right and also yeah. blogging you know blogging blogging uh I went to a presentation at a different conference for speakers um this 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 man Randy Gage he's he's absolutely amazing he he makes millions of dollars he's sought after throughout the world for his advice on marketing And he does five blogs a week. Uh, But I assure you, every word in every blog is something that he is writing to help his career. Uh, And, of course, it helps other people, too. So it's important for those who blog to, even if it's a personal blog, it's going to be read by people in business. So it shouldn't be a catharsis as if you're keeping a personal journal the way you might have 10 or 20 years ago. If you have a need to keep a journal, whether it's electronic or uh, on paper, you should be the only one reading it. That That's mm-hmm. not the function of a blog. It should read. I mean, the irony is that a good blog reads as if it's stream of conscience. But it has been carefully edited, monitored, and judged. how will this help, and won't and how do I avoid this hindering my career?
1: Mhm mhm interesting, so Jan, you wanted to talk a little bit about how to deal with silence in business and and how to um change the how how to not fall into the pattern and that Help me understand a little bit more what. uh,
0: Sure. Well, you know, a lot of us grew up with uh, parents who used the silent treatment, and it is torture. Did uh, Cecilia, has anyone ever done the silent treatment on you in your personal or business life? My
1: brother, growing up, we would have, yeah, he would give me the silent treatment. I. a a an outright silent treatment in business, I've never experienced that. I have to say um cold shoulder, yeah, silent treatment that hasn't happened to me, but I can imagine that has to be that has to well be so now real. there's
0: a couple of ways to deal with it the The first way is a wonderful, simplistic way of of dealing with it, and when it works, it's wonderful, and that is that when I work with people and someone's giving them a silent treatment. I will say to them, "How do you know they're doing this?" And they'll say, "Oh, they're ignoring my emails, or they're not answering my my uh, voicemails." And and then I'll say to them, "Well, why don't you try commu- trying to communicate in a different way?" And sometimes they're amazed. You know, the person who doesn't answer the emails, they do actually return a phone call, and vice versa. So that that could be one way to cutting through the silent treatment. But the other way is to realize that, uh once again, you can't control someone else's behavior as much as you can control your own. Uh Look at your own behavior and decide if you're unwittingly giving people asylum silent treatment because you're not ready to deal with an email, so you just let it sit there for days, for weeks, or yeah. then it gets to the point where you're embarrassed to even contact the person so you should be and over the years i've i've interviewed or corresponded with or known some amazing very very successful people and i have found that the ones at the top the really good leaders not only do they respond to everyone themselves and in the old days they'd actually send Personal notes, but if they can't respond themselves, they will delegate to someone else. Mm-hmm. And now, if you don't, if you're not at a level where you can have a private secretary, an, a way to do that is just with a simple autoresponder. If you're going away for two weeks, because that could be a form of the silent treatment. If someone doesn't know that his or her email did not get to you because you've gone away and you're not going to uh keep up with what's going on in your in in your electronic inbox that could be perceived as a silent treatment so mm-hmm. so that that's that's important in my very first book that I mentioned business protocol and it's a theme that resonates throughout all my writings on on relationships it's important for people to realize that no communication is an action a lot of times people will feel in business i that was my my um my computer signing off but uh <laughs> for some reason um so they 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 don't know what to say or they're not ready to say something and they're unaware that by not saying anything and by unwittingly giving someone the silent treatment they are committing an action now a lot of times all it takes is calling someone and saying you know the that those statistics you asked me to track down for you I need a little bit more time I uh, just wanted to give you a heads up if necessary call and talk to someone's voicemail because you know that they're not going to be at their phone and you want you don't want to get into a conversation but you want to let them know that or send a short little email saying just giving you a heads up uh and someone just sent me this one and it was wonderful Uh, just got back from vacation, have 250 unanswered emails to deal with, but I just wanted to let you know that I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Now, Mm -hmm. obviously that took a little bit of time, but going back to the theme of productive relationships, that's a way of cementing and creating a productive relationship as opposed to uh, ignoring someone because you're overwhelmed and and having that anger and that feeling of being given the silent treatment um, uh, magnifying.
1: Yeah, we well, you know it's interesting. I um, in, in my organization, I'm constantly asking my team to speak with each other. I have uh, I have many people who work remotely and don't have the opportunity to come in and see the folks in the office, and I find. Interestingly enough, as efficient as email is, I find it is a relationship killer. And I feel like it causes, you know, in many cases, more harm to the productivity of our organization than good because of what I hear from my team about the frustrations that they have with actually just what you're speaking of. And I, you know, I I guess I didn't put two and two together, not necessarily intentional silent treatment, but I'm overwhelmed and I don't have time to respond or I don't think about it, silent treatment. And... Uh, You know, I have an instance. I I actually have an instance that points to just what you were talking about. Not so much silent treatment, but a gentleman in my office, a designer, was working. He had a terrible relationship with somebody who worked for me in Hawaii because he felt like, um, you know, either she was late in responding or she didn't respond, or it was curt or quick or whatever it was. And I was trying to help the two of them work better together. And I found out that, you know, he was sitting in the office and had time to type emails. She was running around from meeting to meeting to meeting and would just type quick responses to him as she was running from place to place, and that was making him angry. He felt that that was that was, um, that was mean. Huh. And, 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 and so the perception on his end was, why is she such a jerk? And the perception on her end was, oh my gosh, I've got to answer this email while I'm running down the street. I'm just going to type three words and get it done. And when I finally explained to him what her life was like, then he kind of went, Oh. Oh, huh. it's not about me and her. It's just I have a different wow. existence than she does and and I and I just I can't I I can't stress enough to my team pick up the phone. Exactly.
0: Pick up the phone and
1: talk to each other word exactly. to word. <laughs> you know. Uh, exactly. Uh, well, amazing. I
0: do a lot of foreign rights work and the interesting thing is that um email has made the attendance at international conferences actually grow because people are so frustrated that they don't know am i communicating with a man or a woman and what is this person really like because they're not picking up the phone so they're they're spending all this money to travel to go around the world to meet each other face to face so they at least have a sense of who they are. And I don't find Skype or being able to see someone on the phone has really helped as much as people thought it would because people don't want to have someone looking at them, you know, while they talk uh if if you know especially if they're working from home you said you have a lot of people who do work from home uh mm-hmm. telecommuting um uh, you know they 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 it's it's not comfortable They it's different if you're face to face versus versus in person versus on the Skype versus um just on the phone so so I, I'm a I'm a great advocate of the phone. Um, it can it's a two way communication. Now the interesting thing is that I don't feel the same way about instant messaging because instant messaging it's a lot more awkward to let someone know that it's really not a convenient time. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when people instant message you, it 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 almost invariably is an inconvenient time. So. You you attempt to be polite and it is a back and forth, but it's absolutely not the same thing as hearing someone's voice and going back to what I talked about body language, pausing, someone's tone, um, you know, if someone's rushed, if someone's relaxed, it it just right. all comes through in uh, a phone conversation that that still is is the second best way uh to communicate. You know, the first being in person, the second being the phone. And yeah. you know, but I wonder but, what's
1: gonna be next. I wonder what the next innovation of communication is going to be. We won't even there won't even be words anymore.
0: <laughs> well, you know, uh that that's 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 very interesting. Um I I I was just reading something about this father who was complaining about, you know, it was always oh, tied to the i the iPad being the new iPad being introduced, oh, yeah. the iPad three, and how families, some families, what they're doing is the parents are getting the new iPads and they're giving the grandparents and the children the older version so they don't feel so guilty about buying the upgrade. So there are families with five iPads, and this one father was saying that he he misses when they'd all sit down and watch a movie because there's, you know, five family members all on their separate iPads coming together just for a quick dinner and then going their separate ways.
1: Yeah. You know, my uh, somebody who works for me, and I won't say what position this person is in, he said he and his wife literally sit in the living room working on their laptops Across from each other, and they instant message each other. They don't talk.
0: Wow, (laughs) that's unbelievable.
1: And you know what happens to relationships? Well, you know, relationships evolve as our communications evolve. But it's really interesting, um, you know, to to see it all happen. And it is, uh, it's a tough one with all the new ways of communicating in the office to balance having strong relationships while using all of these different methods of communication that people receive differently. You know, just using capital letters or, you know, italics or your choice of words in an email, someone may receive that as being
0: Oh, you sure. Know. And and people have to know that using caps in an email is considered shouting. Mm. And someone who would never in a million years send a cover letter for a job with misspellings or typos. Yeah will will you know do a quick cover letter and send it off and you know there there's a, there has to be a similar standard but um uh but one of the other things i wanted to talk about is the importance of um intergenerational uh considerations uh mm-hmm. More than ever before, the boomers are either and, – and the boomers, I'm a boomer. Uh, we were and are an amazing generation. <clears throat> and for most of us, the idea of sitting by the pool or playing golf is just something that whether you have a million dollars in the bank or you're continuing to work because you want to – um this is what you want to do so there's more generations in the workplace than ever before uh those in their their late 50s their 60s their 70s their 80s and this i i believe is a good thing for the the older people because uh it you know research has found that that Work is helps to keep you your mind going and you're feeling connected and also to actually extend life, but for the generations below, it can lead to a bit of frustration because jobs that might have been opening up are not opening up the way they had hoped they would, and also just the the challenge of. Uh, getting along with people in different generations, the gender issue is is still an important factor um, you know understanding that there are different ways that the genders communicate a lot of times the generalizations don't fit, but sometimes they do uh you You would not find an article in Esquire or GQ about is crying in the workplace acceptable? You will right. find it in working mother or glamour. So so there are some differences. That doesn't mean one's better or worse. It's just important to recognize and, and, and work with it. So um so I well, and what I've seen hearing... oh, go oh, ahead.
1: Sorry no, I, well, I was just going to say, with with regard to you know the next gen leaders group, um, and you know, kind of seeking positions at the executive level, some of these women are are young women, and we find ourselves again going back to what you said earlier in the call. Given economic circumstances, we find ourselves having a huge gen, multi generations in the same work environment.
0: Right. Sometimes
1: working as peers. And, you know, this is something that, I mean, this could be an entire call in and of itself, but this whole, you know, uh, the the, like four different generations of people all sort of sitting in the same office trying to get along because some people are coming out of retirement and and leveraging their skills and getting back into the workplace. And uh, it's a a very tough challenge. I see it in my own organization.
0: Well, I think that – being aware of the differences. Uh, when I I I I taught at the uh, college level till two thousand and six and I and I planned to go back to teaching. But what I would do was always say to my classes when I started I taught sociology and criminology classes um, what president do you remember? Mm. Uh, you know, in my life, it would be Eisenhower, and I was only about two or three years old, but I remember Eisenhower as a force. You know, I'd see his picture. Um, so, you know, my students would start to to say Clinton or, you know, whoever it was. And it wasn't... They, the the assassination of kennedy was a history issue, you know, something they read about in the history books. So, so that that can be sensitizing. You know, younger people, I I will I did yesterday. I went all the way someone I wanted to interview someone for a new book I'm doing. And 3 months ago he said to me, "Let's do it on the phone." Now, If I was 25 or under, I would have said, and I am generalizing, so anyone listening in on the call or uh, playing this back later, please, this is a generalization, but uh, 99% of those 25 and under would have just said fine. Okay. I come from a generation where in-person is always best. So I had to be willing to wait Literally two or three months, he gave me a time slot two or three months ago. I can do it now on the phone or I can meet you at this time on this day. And mm-hmm. I said, fine, I'd rather wait. So yesterday I went all the way into the city and I met this this person for the interview for my book. Now this is the beautiful part. Um, if we had done it on the phone, I can guarantee it would have lasted probably half an hour to forty-five minutes. Mm-hmm. And take a guess how long I, I and I purposely didn't even look at my watch or look at my iPhone. Um, take a guess how long the interview lasted.
1: Well, I guess in my experience, something like that, maybe two three hours. Uh,
0: two hours.
1: Two hours, 2 hours yeah you get and, so uh, much more and, out of
0: in person but but people people are less likely to stay on the yeah. phone for 2 hours of course yeah um so and not only that you had the, the you you know you're you're talking face to face and 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 you're seeing how someone interacts in the with the world and it it just is such a better experience however the negative is it was an entire day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so it's a trade-off. So that's why you have to be careful about who you're going to agree to not do it on the phone because it is going to be uh, a much bigger commitment and time and money and effort, etc. So, and that's yeah. a generational thing because anyone 25 and under – Grew up with electronics as a very comfortable uh, way of communicating that wasn't seen as secondary.
1: Yeah, yeah. And they lose a lot. They lose. You lose so much uh, when you just spend time on the phone. You know, I always, I always feel that same thing. I, I I'm kind of kicking myself on the one side, saying I don't really have time to. Spend do this whole like, trip into the city and sit down but then when i'm done with it i think that was worth it you know exactly usually, more often than not
0: right so so, so well we yep. are
1: uh, i just And here we are doing
0: this by phone
1: I, <laughs> we, we should we should be phone. in
0: boston or or in connecticut
1: that's right that's right it's a tough one i i do have to say though that i have had a uh, a wonderful hour with you um And this has been great. Uh, We're talking, again, with Dr. Jan Yeager, author of Productive Relationships and many other books, and we have spent almost an hour talking about productive relationships. Oh, thank you. And I you. do
0: want to I do want to tell people that um although I I don't think I'm going to keep up the five blogs a week that Randy Gage recommends cuz uh-huh. I realize and and I am going to do a blog on that topic uh what, what do you do when someone what works for someone else doesn't work for you? How much right. do you do? But anyway, I put a couple of new blogs at uh my site Inspired by his suggestion, one of them is a fun blog on um, what should you put on your business card if you want to make it an optimum way to connect with people. Uh, so if people are listening, if, if, uh, your group listening, drjanjaeger.com, they'll find some, some fun, recent, original blogs at my website. Also, you can click on the, some of the excerpts from my interviews. Uh, I've been on Oprah, The Today Show, Good Morning America, and there's some clips from those interviews, um, in, uh, at my website.
1: That 's great, and I highly recommend the book. Um, I have to say we 've barely scraped the tip of the iceberg in terms of what 's included in this book um, it 's a wonderful tool i can 't the only thing I could think of as I started to read through it was how many people I want to buy it for because I think it 's a very important relationships are very important and as you said at the beginning of your book, it's not necessarily it's who you know, but it's how well you get along with those people that really makes uh your makes or breaks your success in a in a job, in a business. So um I'm it's been a pleasure speaking with you, Jan. Um, oh,
0: thank you, Cecilia. I really appreciate it and my book, Productive Relationships, thanks you as well.
1: <laughs> thanks. I'm gonna end the recording here. I think I'm, uh, cancel. end of the recording? I don't, oh, wait, can't, I'm
0: not ending it here. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your
1: captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com.